We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live podcast. It's Monday night, and the Warriors just won game five of the NBA Finals. Boston one loss away from elimination. The Warriors on the path towards saving the NBA from a very dark timeline where the Celtics will get number 18. Not over yet, of course. Still game six on the road in Boston and potentially a game seven back at home in Golden State for the Warriors. We'll see what happens there. We'll chat a little bit about the NBA Finals, but a lot of stuff to get into regarding the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, stuff involving LeBron James and his contract situation that came out today, things involving Anthony Davis and him his shooting or not shooting. <laughs> Lots of different things for us to get into. We're going to be taking your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook. So welcome in. Thank you for joining us. And the other thing I want to say thank you for, we have been getting some fantastic reviews lately over on Apple Podcasts. And I'm so appreciative of everybody who's hopped over there and helped us out. It's a very easy way to help the show. It takes about 20 seconds. Just go over there, give us that five-star rating, and then send us a little message in the review. If you want to ask a question, we'll uh, we'll answer them on the show too. If you want to do that in that review, that's fine as well. But again, truly appreciate all of the reviews that we've been getting. Uh, warms my heart to see the kind of, uh, kind of stuff that's been coming in. Joining me tonight, we've got Sean Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, Sean, you're you're back home now, right? You safely made it out of LA. Yes, a uh, little flight uh, flight troubles, but hey, man, back. And I'm glad I get to come on with you after a Warriors win, even though we're not a Warriors podcast. But uh, Celtics loss. Yeah, we're not. I'm not supporting the Warriors so much as I'm supporting the team that's playing the Celtics. Right? I mean, that's that's really what it, what it comes down to. I don't particularly care. And, and you know what? I'll be honest. Draymond Green at the end when he was getting it, I thought Draymond had a, had a just fine game. I thought he did what he needed to do. But getting in Jason Tatum's face towards the end there when it, the Warriors went on the run, and all that, I, I didn't like that kind of stuff. And I could see where... I could see where if you're looking at this game and you are truly an objective fan, you could say, you know what? I like this Celtics crew better, and so I'm going to pull for them. I can't do that because of my Lakers background, but I understand why some people would not like the Warriors too. But that said, in this scenario, from our perspective, 
they are the lesser of two evils. And so hopefully they can finish this thing off and uh, save us from a very dark timeline where the Lakers have not only their worst season in their entire history, but also relative to expectations, but also the Celtics win an 18th championship. That is the outcome. We don't want to see one more win. Warriors, come on, Steph Curry. Let's come not on. shoot 0 for 9 from 3 again and see if we can get this thing done. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they can win another game with Steph shooting 0 for 9 from 3. But I thought Draymond was great tonight. I thought mm-hmm. this was easily his best game of the series. And, um, yeah, he just had a Draymond game. He really impacted the game defensively, and he made some great plays for him on the offensive end as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I look at this game and I think, is Steph going to shoot 0 for 9 again from three? Probably not. And the Warriors won by double digits. They won by 10. That said, Andrew Wiggins was their MVP tonight, 12 of 23 shooting. Oh, he was sure. 0 of 6 from deep. The Warriors uncharacteristically shot horribly from three, 23% yeah. from three. Warriors shot 23% from three and won by 10. And it was really more than 10. Like they Celtics got some garbage time buckets mm-hmm. with the second units out there. But like Warriors were up 16 and then they pulled everybody. Well, but we also saw in the third quarter, the Warriors were up like, what, 14 at one point? And then the Celtics came all the way back and actually took a lead. I want to say they had a five-point lead at one point. Yeah. Uh, and then the Warriors came storming back in the fourth. So it was this kind of uh, this roller coaster effect of this game. But ultimately, the Warriors do get the win, which was the the important part. But just interesting, when you look at, at this statistically, you think Steph Curry didn't hit any threes and only scored 16 points. You think... And- you think the Warriors shot 23%, and I'm rounding up to get there, from deep. The Celtics won the battle on the offensive boards 8-4. to four. There's a lot of things. The Celtics uh, shot better from three, 34% from three. There's a lot of things that would suggest the Celtics would win this game, but ultimately I think it came down to the turnovers. 18 for the Celtics, just six for the Warriors. That's, that's the game right there. Yeah, and last thing, because I don't want to spend too much time about sure. – the uh the Warriors Celtics game, but there's not very many players in the NBA right now that can have 16 points, eight assists, shoot seven for 22, I think, and shot go 0 for nine from deep, and probably still had a really good game. Like if you take the shooting out, Steph did everything else. Like I thought he looked a little tired, to be honest. I, I thought he looked a little bit worn out, which to be expected. Fair. But but he did. I also thought they needed to play him some big minutes here, especially once things got close in the second half. I went, oof. I don't like even not shooting well. You might not be able to take stuff off the court. Fortunately, uh, Clay Thompson hit a few threes. Andrew Wiggins did some things, and that ultimately sustained the Warriors. By the way, Gary Payton, the second, soon to be free agent, 15 points, three steals, five boards. He was huge for them, particularly. He can only play defense, though, Trevor. He, he, he's only valuable on that end. He can't do anything else. The, the Warriors did pass him open a few times, but he, I thought he still did some good things out there for them. And he made some smart cuts, which I love to see. And then Jordan Poole, three of six from deep, uh, including a big three at the buzzer at the end of the uh, the third quarter, which wound up being huge in order to kind of switch that momentum that was going firmly in the direction of the Celtics at the end of the third. So big win for the Warriors. And hopefully, hopefully that this will save us from that uh, dark, from dark dimension. multiverse. Yeah, yeah. That, whatever version of Earth that is where the Celtics have 18 championships. Uh, let's get into some Super Chats here, especially since we need to talk Lakers. Jax Bentley said, why is LeBron not letting the Lakers know his move? So there was a story from Eric Pincus, a Bleacher Report that came out today, and he kind of just reiterated what we, what we already mostly knew, that uh, this was just backed up by 
rumors that he heard from execs you know, around the NBA was that, number one, the Lakers felt somewhat paralyzed by LeBron James and his contract situation, and that was also a factor at the trade deadline of this past year. And the contract situation is this. LeBron James currently slated to become a free agent in 2023. He can sign a contract extension this year. The earliest he can sign that is August 4th. Now, the NBA draft is coming up on June 23rd. We've got free agency kicking off on July 1st right after that. So most of the Lakers' big moves, in fact, all the Lakers' moves, will be done by the time LeBron can actually sign a contract extension. But the thinking is that the Lakers kind of need to know what LeBron is doing before that. They need to know it before they make those moves because if LeBron says, hey, I'm going to be around for another three years, four years, whatever it is, then the Lakers can feel comfortable going out there and surrendering some future assets in order to win right now. And that might mean absorbing salary of players who are, uh, who, whose contracts run past, say, Russell Westbrook, something like that. It gives you that more incentive to make win-now moves and to potentially give up future assets. But if LeBron doesn't say that, and the Lakers have to assume he's gone in 2023, then they're staring down this weird situation where do they go out there and surrender future assets, give up all this stuff for one season, and then LeBron walks away, and you're left with Gordon Hayward or whatever it is that you traded Russell Westbrook plus picks to get. That's the dangerous or, or nightmare situation for the Warriors. So why is LeBron not letting the Lakers know what he's going to do? Why, why would we be in this situation right now? Um, I'll play both sides here. So from yeah. LeBron's standpoint, I mean, you can kind of at least understand the thought process here with him basically saying, hey, look, I don't have to sign to August or that's the earliest I can do it anyway. Um, build a team, show me what we're working with, and then I'll make my decision. The Lakers, it, there needs to be like a common ground because if LeBron is being, I don't want to say passive, but like just not being clear with what his intentions are and saying, hey, look, show me what you're going to do. Blake's like, well, crap. Like, no, we we don't. We, we have to base our decision off what you do. If you're saying, hey, I'm coming back for at least another season. Okay, cool. Then, and I think that's what the initial reports about the Lakers not willing to give up future assets in a rust deal. I think that's in a scenario where LeBron waits until August or whatever to make, a, make his decision or, uh, LeBron doesn't come back. I think if LeBron says, hey, I'm coming back for at least another year after next year, um, I, I think the Lakers would be willing to give up future assets because you know we have another year of LeBron after next season. Um, so they just need to find some basic level of communication because otherwise they're going to be stuck in this cat and mouse game trying to chase after the other one's opinion or what their plan is. And it, it, it's just all out of whack. I think it's... It's this just ridiculous staring contest that I, I think ultimately it's going to amount to nothing. Honestly, I think it's going to ultimately amount to nothing because, like you said, LeBron's side, like we we tend to look at it from the Lakers side. Oh, why isn't why are why isn't LeBron just telling them so they can go make the team better? Why isn't he just saying he's going to stay? Well, because LeBron wants to number one make sure the Lakers are going to do everything. Like for LeBron's side, the nightmare scenario is. You say you're going to stay, you sign up for however many more years, and then the Lakers go, cool, and then kick their feet up and relax and say, we're going to just bring in this. Now, I don't think they would actually do this, but that's the concern from LeBron's side. So LeBron is saying, show me the roster, and I'll tell you if I want to resign. The Lakers are saying, tell us if you're going to resign, and then if you are, we're going to go and build the roster for you. 
I think ultimately this is how it's going to play out. The Lakers will go around. They'll be talking. To, they're talking right now, talking to teams, figuring out what their options are. Russell Westbrook trades will be discussed and all of that. Uh, and other things too. Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, future first, uh, taking on salary, all, all that kind of stuff. It's all going to be on the table. They're going to discuss all of it. But before a big move gets made, the Lakers will go to LeBron and say, hey, LeBron, we've got this. Does this make you happy? Do you think you would sign? And remember, legally, LeBron can't sign the extension until August 4th. So all they can do is just talk to him. They can't actually have him sign anything. So he could just say, well, I promise. And that's the best you're going to get. A pinky swear. But LeBron, what do you think about this move? Would this convince you to extend your contract or, or sign a new deal with us? And then he can tell them. Uh, and if the answer is no, then maybe the Lakers just say, okay, well, then we're going to assume you're leaving in 2023. And then we're not going to do this, this deal. That's, I think that's where this will hit another level when the trade talks are actually really heating up and they're material and the Lakers can go to LeBron and say, this is on the table. Does this sway your opinion at all? And then they can go from there. I think that's the point where those talks start to get serious between LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah. And I mean, again, like, should we honestly even be surprised? He's done this, not necessarily talking bad about LeBron, but he's done this everywhere he's been. Like in his second stint with the Cavs was Miami, especially that second stint with the Cavs. It was like one in one every year. So like he, he's done this in the past. So um, honestly, should we be surprised? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. And again, you, I can't fault LeBron. I can't fault the Lakers. They're, and I think ultimately their um, interests will align. When the time comes, when the time comes, we got Matt's uh, burner in here. We got a relationship uh -oh. analogy in the chat. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, Benjamin with the super chat says Ray Allen or clay real quick. You've got to, you got to pick one. Who are you taking? Uh, Ray's the better shooter. Clay's the better player. That's fair. That's fair. I, I would probably assuming that we're getting the prime version of each player. I'm going to go clay because of the defense. But you can't yeah. go wrong with either player. Yeah. Can't go wrong with either. Maddie James said also on AD, maybe I missed a previous. Super yeah, this is a continuation. The first one was just talking about. Oh, here it is. I'll, yeah. I'll get this one up and then I'll go back to the other one. Maddie James says the whole thing of AD saying he hasn't picked up a ball till now blows my mind. You wear the purple and gold. You hardly played last season. Shot horribly all season. And then it continues. Also on AD, his percentages and numbers have dipped significantly since his first season as a Laker. You would think as a competition and after being humiliated last season, AD would have been getting shots up and improving. Okay, so let's get into it. Yeah. Anthony Davis was uh, featured on a vlog the other day and he casually dropped that he has not shot a basketball since <laughs> April 5th. So we're over two months now. Assuming, now again, we don't know for sure when that was shot. It's possible that it was shot it, now he the fact that he said April fifth that it makes it seem like it was close. Like yeah, it makes it sound like it wasn't. It wasn't shot in April, right? Yeah. Because then he would have said the fifth or, or whatever. You know what I mean? So it was at least sometime in May. I feel like it was it was closer to now. But in any event, Anthony Davis saying he hasn't shot a basketball in a while. Does did that bother you? Does that concern you at all, Sean? Not really, and I think a big part of that is. Again, that's a part of his, you know, workout routine or, or his training routine, getting ready for the for the 
upcoming season. Now, I do think, um, and based off, like, let's say he shot that in May or whatever, right? If you go off of the timeline of, like, what he said in the past on his uh, training regime and getting back ready to, for basketball shape, that first month, so April, let's say take, take April off, the first month uh, is to solely, you know, rest his body and recover. Then you have the month, all workout, only weight stuff every day. And then right around now, he should be, if we're just following the map he gave us or whatever, I'm not saying it's right, but he should be um, getting shots up now. Um, I think I think it's different. Like I think if AD was a competent three-point shooter shooting 32 or so percent like he was, I think he was 34 his first year in L.A., mm-hmm. sure. Um, but he shot, I think, 28% his second year in L.A., and then he shot 17% from three this season. So, yeah, I, I think something needs to change. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk a little bit about about that because really, you mentioned his, um, you mentioned his off season training regimen, and you're right. His off season training regimen, as what he has said, in order to prepare for each season. This is again from Anthony Davis. He takes four weeks off just to heal, and then then what he does is he lifts weights for six weeks. He does weight training, strength, conditioning, all that kind of stuff for six weeks. No basketball, so. We would be in that time frame right now where he wouldn't have normally picked up a basketball yet. So on one hand, you look at it, and you say, well, of course he hasn't picked up a basketball yet. This is his schedule. Why would he have picked up a basketball? This, he's told us this is what he does. And shouldn't he be able to step away from basketball? Shouldn't he be allowed to do that? Shouldn't he be afforded that? Yeah, that, that's an argument. But when you're coming off of, again, the worst season in Lakers history, when you're coming off of a horrific shooting season 19% from three and that's with me rounding up that's where the optics don't look so great it's not so much I've seen this like what why would fans want Anthony Davis to be out there you know playing right now why would you want him to be working hard right now he's dealing he was coming off of an injury and all these things look I'm not saying that he should be out there playing pickup ball every single day I'm not saying that he should be out there going through a vigorous basketball workout on the floor each and every single day. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying here. I think that the optics are bad because you would think that sometime in the last two months, he would have at least picked up a basketball or, hey, once a week, just worked on his shooting form, something like that. But he's saying, I haven't even touched a ball. And so that's where for Lakers fans, 
it's a little frustrating to hear that when you just came off of such a painful season. You want the player to also feel that and have that determination to make sure that he and the team and the fans never go through that pain again. So that's the disconnect that you get when you make a statement like Anthony Davis did about having not shot. Again, that's his plan. And maybe this amounts to, I think it probably does amount to nothing. But the optics, when fans are still hurting of them hearing that you're not putting in the work right now, isn't great, even though you know the work is still coming. Do you think part of it, Trevor, might be like everybody seeing LeBron posting a bunch of clips of him working out on Instagram and stuff I'm sure like that's that? Part of it. Well, and, and to be honest, part of it too is Kobe. Yeah. Part of it is sure. Kobe. Lakers fans are used to Kobe. Kobe is, he's known for having these ridiculous stories about being in the gym at 3 a.m. and outworking everyone and just all this stuff. That's what Lakers fans are used to. So whenever we hear somebody that it, that it sounds like they're not putting in the work, it's a no, uh-uh, not in the house that Kobe built, you don't. Right. Like that's that is ingrained in the mentality of Lakers fans now, too. And it's an impossible bar to live up to. Yeah. Kobe was obsessive. I mean, maybe to an unhealthy level. Right. When we look at most players, if they tried to work out at the level Kobe did and do the things Kobe did, they their longevity would be zero. Right. They wouldn't be able to do that. But mm -hmm. again, fair or not, that is still resonating within the core of, of Lakers nation. Yeah. And I just really want to touch on the, the point you made about the optics and how that looks. Um, Cause I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, Trevor. Now it, again, it's AD necessarily at fault. No, not necessarily, but like you can't be mad if you're AD, if Lakers fans are upset. Mm -hmm. Cause I think Lakers fans have a right to be upset. Part of it again is the expectations, like you mentioned, and Lakers fans are used to, like you just pointed out the absurd stories about Kobe like working out for three and a half hours, then Jay Williams comes in and then Kobe waits till he's done with his two hour workout. Mm -hmm. um, it's like Laker fans are used to these absurd stories and about the work ethic. Um, and then, like you mentioned, coming off a ridiculously poor shooting season. Um, so, yeah, AD can't be mad at Lakers fans for being upset, but I don't necessarily fault him, I guess. Um, Sonny said, that's BS. Lakers haven't shown commitment either. They didn't want to give DeRozan a third year. How committed are they to LeBron and AD? That winning? last part's not true. You would have hard capped yourself. That's that's just it. There was a lot more than just DeRozan wanted a third year and the Lakers said no. There yeah. was a lot more going Way on. Way more. Than just, than just that. And let's face it, DeMar DeRozan had, and again, looking back, it sounds ridiculous, but this was the conversation at the time. DeRozan had just as many question marks as Russell Westbrook did. DeRozan's not a three-point shooter. DeRozan doesn't defend well. All of these things were, were added into the discussion on DeRozan. How would DeRozan fit? DeRozan doesn't fit on paper with LeBron and Anthony Davis. How does that work? Now, mm -hmm. seeing him play this last season, it's easy to go, oh my gosh, DeMar DeRozan is fantastic. He should yeah. be on this. Why didn't they pick him? Right? Hindsight's 2020. And that's not me arguing for Russell Westbrook. I'm just saying there's a lot more to the DeRozan conversation than just the Lakers didn't want to pay a third year. However, however, Sonny, I think you do have an argument that the Lakers haven't shown commitment, but not with DeRozan, with Alex Caruso. Oh. The Lakers, one of the benefits of getting Alex Caruso was that they did not trigger a hard cap. 
I'm sorry, with the benefits of getting Russell Westbrook was they didn't trigger a hard cap like they would have if they had done a sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan. But the Lakers took that benefit of having no hard cap. You can go as far over the cap as you want and you can re-sign your own guys. And the Lakers said, we'll take that advantage. We will crumple it up and we will throw it in this trash can over here. Goodbye, Alex Caruso. We are not going to pay you. That, that, if you want to question the Lakers' commitment, that is an argument, and it's a fair one. Again, this is a two-way street. LeBron is right to question the Lakers. And again, not maybe question is too strong of a word, but LeBron is right to want to see the Lakers prove that they can put together the roster around him, just as the Lakers are right to want some kind of commitment to LeBron before they give up all their future stuff that they've got left in order to try to build a winner right now. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation. So again, both sides, I think, are correct, and they're going to have to come together somewhere in the middle. Yeah, again, if you execute that sign-and-trade, you're looking at seven players heading into training camp. Yeah. So that's obviously not ideal. Well, yeah. You you do tend to need you know, a little bit enough players that. to play. Mike E said, AD looks like after winning in 2020, he's done. He's complacent and really isn't focused on winning. He's not a leader. I've seen a number of people make that argument. A number of people say, Anthony Davis, he was hungry. Now he's full. He won a championship and he's good now. And that's what we're really seeing happen here. Anthony Davis isn't putting in the work anymore. He doesn't have the passion anymore. He doesn't have the fire anymore because they already won a championship. So he checked that off. And now he's just kind of sailing along. What do you think about that narrative that's that's forming out there, Sean? Um, I'll criticize any player for their on-court performance because I can back this up with film every single time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not really willing to... Because I feel like that's kind of an insult to his character. He's a professional athlete, so I still think he's, to a certain degree, maybe not. he's not as bought in. I think you could see that on film. But um, I, I think you can – I don't think that's fair. I think that's kind of an insult to his character slightly, saying he doesn't oh, really care anymore. Um, so, yeah, I'll disagree with that. But if you hey, – anything on the court about AD that you want to criticize, that film can back up, I'm all with you, man. But I think that's a little too far. Anthony Davis – and again, you can say his play on the court has lacked passion, and I think you could back some of that up. I can also say he's played hurt a number of times. You could say he gets hurt too much, but it's not like he's choosing to get hurt, right? Let's not, it's not like he's saying, hey, tonight. Actually, not last year. Those I, are two I, I fluky go, injuries. I really want my ankle to touch the floor tonight. That's what I'm trying to accomplish. No, that's that's not what Anthony Davis is, is doing. But I understand why there's frustration with him. Um, his production has not been what it once was. And maybe his play in the bubble is just a bar that's too high for him to reach. I think if you get 85% of that guy, you've got an incredibly talented player. But he was amazing there. Um, so I, I think there's a lot going on here with the Anthony Davis discussion and that, that conversation. I don't know if we can chalk it up to him being complacent. I think he has suffered a lot of injuries. Some of them are unfortunate. Some of it you can chalk up and say, hey, he's just injury prone. But this is going to be a big season for him. It's a big season for Anthony Davis this next year for a lot of reasons, health-wise, his relationship with the Lakers, what he is moving forward to the franchise. There's a lot on the line for Anthony Davis and, and the Lakers. Intel Wild says, here's another relationship analogy. Caruso is looking more and more like that special one who got away. Now you wish you married him. 
That's Matt's burner. I'm convinced. There's, there is there go. it is, Matt the Optimus Peralta. And I, let me tell you. So Sean, last night, um, if we're we're continuing on with this relationship analogy, um, this actually got very relationship e. Last night it was like two in the morning, couldn't sleep, and I was like, you know what? Were the Lakers really that bad last season? <laughs> and I wanted to see I wanted to see the spacing with Russell Westbrook and stuff. So I pull up the last game where all all of the big three were healthy and not coming off of an injury, right? So the last game that they played where they hadn't had an, an injury recently, that was all the way back in February. New it was York. a game against the Warriors. And so I was watching that game, watching for some of the spacing things, trying to watch what Russ was doing, trying to figure out what Darvin Ham could do to switch things up, stuff like that. And then I thought, you know what? I want to contrast this spacing with the championship spacing. And so I pulled up some stuff on that. And I just pulled up a highlight video of the championship season in 2020. I, it hurt how much Alex Caruso there was in that, in the championship run. So much of it was Alex Caruso making ridiculous defensive plays. I'm watching this video and I'm just going, my God, like, how could anyone in the Lakers have watched this and said, no, nah, we don't need that guy. Nah. Like it's, it was so clear how much they leaned on him during that playoff run and how many times he came up just ridiculously huge for them in winning a championship. It hurt. It hurt. It was like going through your, going through your ex's Instagram and seeing her with, with a new, that. with a new guy. And, you, and you're remembering all those times. You're just like, Oh man. I mean, sitting there two in the morning, just, Feeling that pain. Oh, it was not not a good experience. Not 2 a.m. <laughs> scrolling through Instagram. It's not good. I was in a bad I was in a bad place <laughs> last night. I was in a bad place. You, you should have given me a call. I would have given you more film to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh Mike E said to be fair, AD, how many shots does he need to put up to shoot 70% from three and ride the bench and street close half the season? How many shots does he need? I don't. I mean, I don't really know what what we're what the question is asking here. How many shots does he need to put up? I mean, if that's what you're thinking he's going to do, I guess here's the question: If we're saying this is just what AD is, he's only going to play half the season and he's going to shoot seventy percent from three. Okay, so you're saying he doesn't need that much training or whatever in the off season because that's all he's going to do. I would hope that we have higher expectations of Anthony Davis than that. I would hope. Yeah. It would look, it was, we're all hurting. It was a bad season. It's a really bad, the worst season ever. And Anthony Davis was hurt for a good chunk of it. And he wasn't great when he played. So I understand the frustration, but I think the expectations should be higher than that for AD. Really, really quickly going back to that Caruso thing. Uh, you, have you heard of the song Marvin's room by Drake? Uh -huh. Ah, no. Trevor. When we go to Vegas, I'm playing that for you immediately. I'm saving that chat somebody just sent. And I'm playing okay. that song just for you. <laughs> Thank Gosh. you. Um, one of the things that, well, you know what? I'll wait until we get to another AD topic. I've got a question that we need to get into that people were asking about the center position. But we'll get to that because I've got a pretty good super chat here. Said uh, GD said, hi, Trevor. Hi. Love the show. What made you so high on Otto Porter Jr.? Since 2018, he has not played close to a full season. Wanting him to play 30 minutes per game could be risky. I agree. What's got me so high on Otto Porter Jr. is scarcity. 
if you look at the amount of free agent wings that are out there right now, oh boy, it is slim pickings. Um, so with that being the case, that's why Otto Porter Jr. stands at the top of the list. He's got the size. He's got the wingspan. He's got the three-point shooting ability. That's what you're looking for in, uh, in a, a wing player. And I know he's got an injury history, but he's been pretty healthy this season. So if there were a lot of other wings out there, then sure. But there's just not. There's not. And so that's why I'm so locked in. You've heard me talk about him a lot. So locked in on Otto Porter Jr. No, yeah. I mean, when, when he's been able to play, um, he's been really valuable for that team. Um, and, and I agree. I, I think depending on which path you go with Russ, I've talked about it a lot. If you do, if you bring back Russ, Otto Porter Jr. is the top of the list. If you, for somehow, some way, get that Pacers trade to work out, you bring in Otto Porter as your top target. The only situation where I say Otto Porter is not my top candidate is if you trade Russ to Charlotte for that Hayward package, mm-hmm. because then my top candidate is Gary, is Gary Payne the second. But that might not work out, Trevor, because he's he's only valuable defensively. He can't do anything offensively. He's he's useless. Nothing. So I might have to find a new guy. So in terms of wings, let's do this. Let's let's do this little activity here. Let's let's make ourselves a little bit more sad. So what I've done is I went over to Spot Track, sorted the available free agents by I'm just looking at forwards, and they have to be unrestricted. Restricted, I'm not messing with that. I'm not playing that game. There's not much here. Joe Ingles is coming off of knee, knee surgery. Uh, Thaddeus Young is more of a big than anything else at this point. Torian Prince, sure, he's he's a guy. He's a guy out there. You can look at TJ Warren, another one. Derek Jones Jr. can't shoot, but if there's nothing else, okay. Kyle Anderson's going to cost too much. Chris, Chris Boucher is going to cost too much. Jalen Smith is a big. Kevon Looney is a big. Look, we could talk about them when we get to bigs. Jake Lehman, is that moving the needle? Not much. Millsap, Aldridge, Griffin. Thought we did all the old player thing. Haslam is 55 years old. <laughs> no, I think he's 40. He's legitimately at 41. Carmelo Anthony is not a three. Marquise Morris, not a three. Otto Porter Jr. can defend on the wing. Probably still play more four, though, than anything. Ben McLemore, I don't think he's really a three. I think he's more of a two. And I mean, that's it. There's your list. Yeah. That's it. So realistically, on the market... We're talking Otto Porter Jr., T.J. Warren, Torian Prince, maybe Derek Jones Jr. Which of those guys do you feel most comfortable being a 3 and D style wing next to LeBron James? That's why. That's why I've, I've been so adamant about trying to go get Otto Porter Jr. It's because of the scarcity of the, of the position, not because it's this incredibly deep free agent class and they've got a ton of options and he's the best of the best. It's just he's the best of what's available. Somebody mentioned Bruce Brown. That's a fair point as well. Sure, He's undersized, though, and that's why I've kind of steered away from him at 6'4". He's a, he's a bit undersized, well, significantly undersized for what I'm looking to do. The Lakers had too many guys who were playing up a position. who were yeah. Twos who were guarding threes, threes who were guarding fours. I want a guy who's got some size uh, on the, the perimeter to help them out. That's how they won a championship was with size out there that could be really switchy. And so that's why I'm leaning Otto Porter Jr. And again, I'm I'm making it sound like Otto Porter Jr. is not any good the when goat. I say he's just the best of what's out there. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say the options are very scarce. And so that's why I keep going back to him because there's just not a lot out there. Um, Ricardo said, I think people should back off AD. 
Top level sports is not the same as other jobs. A whole season is mentally bad, physically taxing, whether you're playing or rehabbing. That's the, the flip side of this argument, right? It's that Anthony Davis, shouldn't he have the ability to step away, to recharge, to refresh himself, and then come back ready to work after having some time off? I mean, look, I, I used to be a teacher. I knew, I knew that by the time summer rolled around, I needed that month or whatever for my, my brain to shut down before I started thinking about lesson plans or any of that kind of stuff. Again, sometimes your body gets into that kind of a rhythm so I can understand it. But again, I keep coming back to, does that really mean he hasn't, you do not even, you're a professional basketball player and you haven't even gone out and shot around a little bit, just shooting hoops in the driveway or something, you know, just to kind of keep that form going. I don't know. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lil Yoni said, Sean is the next Dr. Strange. He predicted Darvin Ham was going to be the head coach and it came true. Can you predict what the Lakers are going to do next? Oh, and he calls you the master of the mystic arts. Right, Marvel, so pay me my royalty fees. <laughs> pay me. You guys are scamming me out of my money. So what, what is, using your, your foresight here, what is the Lakers' next move? Uh, Lakers next move is they buy two second round picks. Two I don't see anything, I like it. I don't see them doing anything else realistically between now and the draft. Um, and if you want me to give you a couple of guys, uh, Max Christie from Michigan State, potentially, uh, Travion Williams, you talked about him in your, mm -hmm. in your video. Um, those are probably my top two guys. Ron Harper Jr. is interesting. There's a couple other guys. Um, but yeah, you get two second round picks and then, Talk to me later. Keon Ellis, he's going to be undrafted. Book it. I, I will tell you the Lakers' next move, and it's not what you said. The Lakers are going to hire an assistant coach. Okay. <laughs> I know that that's Fair kind play. of cheating because most people think of players, but yeah, but they will hire probably multiple assistant coaches before they make their their player moves. That would be my guess. Let's see. Ricardo G, continue on AD. You only get one LeBron, Kobe, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Nadal, et cetera, in a generation. Those are freaks of nature. Yeah, but we thought Anthony Davis could be that. I mean, there was a point in time where AD, uh, AD versus Giannis was a thing. Like, which oh, yeah. one of those guys is better? That was a thing a few seasons ago. And so that was the bar that was set for Anthony Davis. He was expected to be in that group. Maybe not quite your top, top, top tier, like once in a generation guy, but you're, I don't know what. Pretty twice, daggone close. Thrice in a generation guy where, twice. right, you only see a few of these players that show up. Like he was expected to be in that upper echelon. And so there's some disappointment that last couple of seasons haven't lived up to that. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, again, like we've talked about this a lot, Trevor. Um, before AD got hurt and in the bubble, we were talking about Anthony Davis as a top five player, consensusly talking about him 
is a top five player in the world. And it's just unfortunate that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But uh, mm-hmm. those four guys that you mentioned, uh, Kobe, Le- uh, LeBron, Ronaldo, and Nadal, those are just freaks, man. They are insane. All right. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, somebody call him Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Westbrook. That's so mean. Buddy so, Beheim, no, no, uh, not drafting him anyway. Undrafted, throw him in the G League, sure. Um, I'm not drafting Buddy Beheim. All right. Uh, Benjamin said, Trevor, have you met any famous players? Who? Um, yeah. Austin Reeves. Yes, I, I, well, yeah, Austin Reeves. Sean, have you met any any famous players? I'm not like you, Trevor. No, I haven't. <laughs> you're, not like, you're acting like I'm just like meeting all these players all the time. Um, yeah, I met famous players. I mean, I guess the most famous player I've met, I mean, either Kobe or LeBron. Unfortunately, I didn't meet Kobe in person. There was a, an over phone interview that I was part of. Uh, LeBron from, I mean, this is all just from being in the locker room and stuff like that back before COVID. Um, I mean, I met all the, you know, LeBron, Lonzo, Kuzma, Josh Hart, Evita Zubats, you know, all those guys. Um, Isaiah Thomas. Um, but Isaiah Thomas when he was with the Celtics. Again, I'm not you. So, yeah, just you could probably fill out a, an all-star team so far. Like you got Braun on there, mm-hmm. Prime but this, IT. But this isn't like I'm going and like hanging out with these guys. This is like I'm, I happen, you know, I was in the locker room during interviews and, and things like that. Right. Like that's, I don't know. That's, that, I think that's kind of different. The chat just said Trevor is just flexing right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying like, yes. I've been in the locker room and been part of the, the interview process and stuff like that. And so I've gotten to interact with a lot of these guys. That's, that's it. But it's not like a, it's not like I, I can hit them up, text them. Hey, what's up? Like, you know, that's, that's not how that is. Uh, Jay Singh said, I don't think AD deserved to say James is old and still performs better than AD. He is not consistent. He's always injured. Love you guys. Um, so are we saying Anthony Davis? I think we're being critical of Anthony Davis here, saying he's injured, he's not consistent. LeBron is better than I think that's that's where I'm gonna, gonna dig into this. LeBron is old and still perform better than AD. So LeBron at 37, that's the other piece to this Anthony Davis discussion. By now, the idea was that this would be Anthony Davis's team. Right. I mean, that was when AD came in, the thought was once LeBron starts to descend and he starts getting ready to sail off into the sunset, Anthony Davis will be at the height of his powers and he will be ready to take on a bigger burden. Instead, I think we saw LeBron shoulder a bigger burden than ever in a Lakers jersey, save for maybe the season he played with the, with the young kids. But this, this is not how things are supposed to be going right now. This is supposed to be right now. We're supposed to be in the transition time. The torch is supposed to be mid-pass at this moment over to Anthony Davis, and that hasn't happened. And I think that that adds into some of the frustration we've seen with AD. Yeah, absolutely. And um, th- yeah, it should. Hopefully, by now we were we were hoping that this would be AD's team. There was a super chat kind of talking about AD being more involved, um, but yeah, I agree, and it just sucks. Um, and if we're being honest, like the. Uh, not last year, the season before that. So the, after the championship season, besides the injuries, I thought 80 was fine. And then a lot of Lakers fans won 80. And I guess he was pressured to put some weight on. 
I guess hindsight's twenty twenty because obviously that was a mistake. Um, I think I think honestly putting on the weight and then losing it so quickly also kind of affected the shot because I don't know like like when you just when you go when your body goes to like different like for example if you're five seven and then you wake up the next day you're six two you're not going to be same j- jump shooter than you were mm-hmm. the, the previous day it's just not happening um, so I, I do think that affected him a lot I think now these you know back in shape he lost the weight. At, uh, I think around the all-star break, correct me if I'm wrong, or nobody got back from the MCL sprain. Um, yeah. I do think we'll see AD shoot a lot better from three next season. I hope so. And, and I want to touch upon this because I saw the response. Part of the response that was out there when the Anthony Davis shooting stuff came out was, well, who cares? He's a center. Centers don't shoot threes. Or who? Or I even saw some people say he's a power forward. He shouldn't have to shoot threes. I think it's completely missing a couple of things. The offense the Lakers are trying to run, number one. The modern NBA, number two, because yes, centers and power forwards didn't shoot threes 25 years ago. Uh, and number three, when you look at, at this whole situation, oh, Anthony Davis simply shouldn't shoot threes, I think you're missing what made Anthony Davis so good so and what made, what made him so special was he was a big who could do all the things who could do guard things who could switch on to a point guard defensively and he's fine who could kill you from the outside who could hit the jumper who could score from the inside he never did it consistently but that was always the thing that made him different that made him stand apart that so that's why i don't I don't buy into this whole, well, it doesn't matter if he only shoots 18% from three because he's a center or whatever. No, it does matter because if you want a center who doesn't shoot 18% from three then you or, or who shoots 18% from three, then you don't want Anthony Davis because that's not what Anthony Davis is. That's not what he's about. That's not what his game is all about. Now, maybe next season, if he continues to shoot poorly, we see an adjustment because he shot 26% the season before, then it dropped to 18%. Maybe we see an adjustment. Maybe he becomes more of a long two-point shooter. But that's going to require an adjustment from everybody else on the floor as well if he suddenly can't shoot that shot. I'd much rather say, let's hope AD gets be- gets that three-point shot back to where he's least a threat for your spacing, for the sake of your spacing, because otherwise you're talking about a drastically different version of Anthony Davis. You're talking about taking away part of what makes Anthony Davis Anthony Davis. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't want to keep touching on the weight thing, but I really do think the weight thing affected him on both ends of the floor. I just mentioned the shooting, but like you mentioned, his just versatility on the defensive is what made him so special because he could switch out on smaller guards and wings and be an impactful player and still somehow be a freak of nature enough to be able to recover and block a shot at the rim if he had to. Um, and I think we saw some glimpses of that after he lost the weight and then got back healthy. That stretch be from pretty much when he got back that Nets game till unfortunately his ankle touched the ground. And even when he got back from that, like that Denver game where it was just him and Russ, he AD was, was the best player on the floor for yep. 90% of that game. And then he was just gas and Jokic kind of put the dagger in that one. But like, I don't know, man, it, it, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, this is this comes with the territory of having a terrible season, but would like to see obviously the Lakers and Anthony Davis bounce back. Um, Esham 976. Will anyone ever address the fact that LeBron does just doesn't play defense? Literally a 10-minute YouTube video of LeBron doing nothing on defense. Did he have moments where the defensive effort waned? Absolutely. 
absolutely can, that happened. But he was also having to do everything on offense. So yeah. go ahead, Sean. No, sorry. I've been buying at the bit at this because yeah, it's, it's a- really irritating me because there's been a lot of people telling me that LeBron is the worst defender on the Lakers, mm-hmm. which first off, that's just ridiculous. Uh, second off, if I have to prove this to you guys, I will. Now, again, LeBron doesn't come down and plays like Draymond Green every possession and gives his heart on the defensive he, end. He, he can doesn't. for bursts. He can, yeah. But he doesn't do that every single play. So I'm not trying to hype LeBron up or whatever. But the notion that LeBron is the worst defender on the Lakers or doesn't play defense at all, I even tweeted this out earlier, Trevor, that LeBron is like a stat or whatever. And LeBron is actually a positive defender in terms of like the impact they make, especially on the help side or whatever. Right. But how is that possible? LeBron's the quote unquote worst defender on the Lakers. So if you guys want this, you guys want me to show you guys that LeBron is uh, not the worst defender on Lakers. Sure. But um, no, yeah, that that's crazy to me. Well, I mean, him doing nothing on defense. I mean, I feel like we're we're nitpicking a little bit here because LeBron James. Look, did he again? Did he have moments where he didn't give full effort on defense? Yes. We also saw games where he really turned it up. I think the did team does take defensive cues from LeBron, and when he's fired up and really defending at a high level, the other guys fall in line and they do the same thing. And so that's a challenge. But at 37 years old. And having to carry the heavy burden on the offensive end this season that he shouldn't have had to, should he be expected to also also be the guy who has all the energy on the defensive end of the floor too? I think that's just it's just unrealistic. Would it be ideal? Yes. And I think if the Lakers had gotten to the playoffs, we would have seen LeBron stepping it up on the on the defensive end of the floor. I just don't think you can ask him to do that night in and night out at this stage of his career, 10 years ago, sure. LeBron's going to run all game. He's going to defend people. He's going to lock up Derrick Rose, uh, MVP Derrick Rose, and he's also going to control the offense. He can do that 10 years ago, 37 years old now. I mean, what, what what's next? Should we, I don't know, complain that, that LeBron James didn't run all the stairs in the stadium before the game too? Like, I mean... What, or, what else does he need to do? LeBron needs to wash all the jerseys. LeBron needs to make sure that he's organizing all the events at the at crypto.com arena. Like we're asking him to do everything at this point. And that's not how this team was constructed. And you can say LeBron has a hand in the construction of this team. And that's certainly fair. But at 37, you shouldn't have to ask LeBron to be everything on defense and everything on offense because other guys aren't doing it. Again, if you guys really want this, I had other plans in mind for future breakdowns. But if this is the more pressing topic, sure, let me know. <laughs> Lil Yoni said, we Lakers fans should be happy the Warriors are dismantling the Celtics. Tonight, there were moments where he dismantled, but it's been a close series. Uh, we need the Warriors to win next game so we can rub it in that one Celtics fan that hosts the NBA front office show with Trevor Land. That, But this was the thing on the last show. So there was a typo. And Trevor Land became a place that you can travel to by walking down Trevor Lane. Yeah, this, that <laughs> that happened. That that was how off the rails our our last show went. But that sounds like a joke Matt would uh, would come up with. He he did enjoy that one. Um, but as far as rubbing it in, uh, you're talking about Keith Smith. As far as rubbing it in his face, um, I will not do that. I won't rub it in in Keith's face at all. Um, does Keith want to see the Celtics win? Of course, he's grown up as a Celtics fan, but. 
He's also one of the kindest, most genuine people that I know. Uh, he's a friend. I would never rub it in his face just because he likes the Celtics and I like the Lakers. And you know what? We still coexist and get and get along. Do I want to see his team lose? Of course. But and he wants to see the Lakers lose. But he's also pretty good about being objective and and not falling into fandom too much, particularly when he's giving his takes and everything. He's pretty measured. He and I are fairly similar in, in that way. So yeah, it's not like it's not like Keith has been, you know, doing victory laps on the front office show or anything like that. He certainly hasn't. So yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna do that. I haven't met Keith yet, but Keith is definitely he definitely seems like a cool guy. And yeah, don't don't go too harsh on him, even though we do not like the Celtics over here. James Bell, Lakers fans are prisoners to their own nostalgia. Oh, interesting take. Prisoners we kind of mentioned this nostalgia. earlier about huh? like the AD thing. We were talking about the work ethic of AD or, or the in quotes work ethic of AD. And you mentioned like Kobe, like Lakers fans are used to the crazy stories about Kobe. So I think that's kind of to our point that we said earlier in the show, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's really what it is, right? Because once you've had, I mean, 17 championships, you've, you've got a who's who of superstars in the NBA that have put on that purple and gold. When you've that got that kind of background, it's hard not to fall victim to that and think this is expected this is just what happens right this is why when i saw lakers fans saying well i want the the cell i'm going to be okay with the celtics winning the championship this year because that's going to make the lakers work harder and then they're going to win a championship they'll just catch up to the celtics winning a championship is insanely hard we just don't think it is because the lakers have won so much we're spoiled by that ask the pelicans how hard it is to win a job title <laughs> I mean, yeah. The Blazers, they got there. Like, yeah. Yep. Lil Yoni said, do you guys see DeAndre Ayton being a Laker, being a backup center behind AD? No. No, 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 no. No, 100% no. I don't see him being a Laker, period. And he's definitely not going to be a backup. He is looking for a max contract. That's what he's looking for, and his agents believe he will get that somewhere, even if it's not from the Phoenix Suns. And I agree. I think he is going to get it somewhere. Um, so the Lakers, they can't afford a max salary, first and foremost. Um, if they signed and traded for him, they would be hard-capping themselves, and I don't think the Suns have anything to see anything on the Lakers roster they want in a sign-and-trade situation, aside from Anthony Davis. Um, so for a few reasons there, that's a no. But if not, where do you see him going? I heard the Hawks were interested in trading John Collins for him. The Hawks are an interesting landing spot. The Spurs, the Pistons, all of those teams will be out there. The Blazers will be out there. I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in him. I think if the Hawks trade John Collins for a pick, that's going to be interesting. Like if I had a pick, I would do that. I like John Collins a lot. But I don't know exactly where he's going to go. I think a few other teams will pop up between now and free agency maybe even now in the draft i think enough teams will want deandre Ayton though that something gets done well i guess not the draft because he has to do a sign and trade so we're talking about july but i think some teams will pop up and offer something for him again spurs blazers hawks pistons i think those are the top four right now but a mystery team could very well make themselves known between now and that time and uh get something done 
the Reaper. Oh, you're muted there, Sean. The Reaper said, admittedly, I'm a LeBron fan, but rooting for the Warriors just because I don't want to hear Bill Simmons' mouth. That's a good reason. That's a good reason, right? Yeah, I mean, any reason for Boston to lose is a good reason, I guess. Because <laughs> you know you know that Bill Simmons would be, man, he would be on one if the Celtics won, and he would be, be shouting it from, from the mountaintops. So yeah, I think that's a good reason. Uh, Zach Mustafa, I love you guys in the show. Off topic, can I still get Showtime Logger in LA? I had finals during that event uh, a few months ago. You know, I, I know we were going to do another edition of it. I'm not sure when it's coming out, though. So when it is, I know we're going to, well, we will make sure that we let everybody know. I don't think there's any more right now, but when we do another edition of it, we will make sure everybody knows and we'll probably do like a watch party or something for it. It'll be a lot of fun. Ooh, you see this one from Captain Chevrolet? Uh, no. What is it? Is it a super chat? Yeah, it's a super chat. Okay, I, I'm moving down the list. I will probably get to it. Uh, ben Benjamin said, 80s refusal to play center uh, and get banged by big men is an issue. That's unfortunate wording there. But, um, but uh, AD's refusal to play center. You know what? He played center last season. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I understand why he wants to, you know, stay healthy. He doesn't want to deal with, uh, with everything that he would have to in the paint, uh, the physicality. That's tough. He wants to make sure that he, that he tries to stay injury free. And if he feels like playing power forward is the better way to do that, then I understand it. I think you can argue, though, that he should be, and I think he is willing, he should be willing to play center down the stretch because I think that's typically the Lakers, that's the way you close out games, is with AD at the center. Yeah, and I know some some people in the chat are saying we won a title with AD at the four, but like you just pointed out, Trevor, in the closing moments of a lot of those games, who was at the five? AD. Um like, and even back then, AD didn't quote-unquote like playing the five, so they just said, hey, we'll start with the four, and then when it's crunch time, we're going to go small, quote-unquote small, and you're going to be at the five. So, yeah. Yep. Like, yeah, I, I think I think he, when need be, he doesn't have a problem playing the five. But if you can take some of that burden off of him for the bulk of the game, that might be ideal. Vector Nova said, hey, guys, thank you for all you do. To have some fun, if you could pick any role players that the Lakers have ever signed, who would you choose for this roster as it is? Choose a secondary Lakers star to replace Russell Westbrook. Okay, so if you could pick one Lakers role player and a secondary star to put in the place of Russ, who would you pick? Uh, I would actually, for I'm going to cheat, I actually would probably pick this all. And uh, Kyle Kuzma, he just fits okay. what the what the team needs. I am going to go with the guy who I think would benefit the most from playing in today's NBA, and that is Lamar Odom. That's that's my guy that I would pick um, as my my role player. Uh, I think Gasol is a good pick uh, to to replace Russell. I mean Gasol and, and AD side by side. My goodness. Like that is that is ridiculous. But since you picked Gasol, um, 
let's see here. So kind of a quasi star to go alongside. Screw it. Just pick Kobe. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I feel like that's kind of cheating, right? Because that's the obvious answer, but that would be, be kind of cheating. What about Eddie Jones is interesting to me in terms Ooh, of okay. he shot the three pretty well in his heat days. Maybe even go back and go with like Glenn Rice, Rick Fox uh, can do some stuff defensively. There's a few guys. You can go Ron, go Ron Artest. There's some options. You could find some interesting wing plays. That's uh, that's what I've got in my mind is wing players, um, particularly if I'm getting LO. So, not gonna lie, when you said Ron, I immediately thought Ron Gutterman. Ron I was Gutterman. like, we're gonna get we're Ron gonna Ron throw Ron board. Gutterman out there on the floor, and uh, and he's gonna get it done for us. I, I think I'll, I'll stick with my first answer. I'm gonna go Eddie Jones as my guy that that I would add, particularly because he became a really good defender later on. Captain Chevrolet. Sean, can we maybe get a 15-minute breakdown specifically highlighting the advantage of AD at the 5 versus the 4? I personally like him at the 4. So what do you think about that? Uh, that would be an interesting one. Um, I think personally, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it. I think personally it makes a little bit more sense for him to be at the 5, but um, I, I do think there are benefits of having me at the 4, but it's easier if if AD if AD's not going to rediscover his jumper, then you need a stretch five. Lakers and- Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about Whoop. athletic greens. <laughs> I started early, taking AG1. <laughs> it's a new system. I thought I could just put that in there and it would just and it wouldn't start playing automatically because I didn't have it preloaded into the show. So now you guys know what we're going to next. That's a little preview. Oh, man. Oh, okay, now I know that it autoplays. Anyway, Sean, continue. <laughs> Apologies for interrupting your your uh, question there. Oh, no, you're good, man. Um, but no, like, I think you would need a stretch five if you want AD to play the four. And then um, I just think there's so many more benefits of having Anthony Davis at the five than if it's AD at the four. But I think there, you know, you can make an argument for both cases, obviously. Now you can play the yeah, Trevor. <laughs> All right. Let's hear something from our sponsors here, Athletic Greens. We'll take a quick three-minute break here for our sponsors. And here we go. As for me personally, I was interested in recovery. Number one, I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I, I run into. And I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1. But I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now, I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym. But the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking 
AG1. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my AG1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one Place. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. And Just double we checking. Are... You don't have any other ads to play, right? No, that, that, that was it. That was the, the only one. That, that was it. That was the only one I needed to get to. So thank you, everybody, for bearing with our little technical issue there. But um, we've got a question here. By the way, AG1, it really is good stuff. I really do take it every day. Um, like I said, I really am working on getting it. I'm down 11 pounds now at this point. Getting there. Getting there. Slowly, slowly, but Making surely. Making me want to take it, man. It's, um, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, NGM said, do the Lakers need to get AD a sports psychologist to help him work through his issues? Is AD just having too much anxiety? I don't know if it's an anxiety thing. And like, I think for Anthony Davis, a lot of it, I mean, the shooting percentage, maybe, maybe he shot a little bit. He was a little bit hot shooting um, in the season. He shot 33%. Maybe he's not quite that good of an outside shooter. I don't know, but 18%. 19% when you round up, that's simply not good enough. I don't know if that's a sports psychologist thing or just he had a bad shooting season. I think this next season is going to go a long way towards telling us what is he really in terms of his shooting ability. Yeah, I'm I'm almost confident it's not an anxiety thing, personally. So what it, – it's probably a combination think- of a few things. I think it's a mixture of, again, like his body, him going through a rapid body change so quickly. I think it's a mixture of that. I think it's the injury stuff, like, because they were lower body injuries too. So it's not like he can, I mean, jump and shoot, like shoot regular jump shots while he's injured. And then um, I think it's also a combination that he just did not shoot well. I think it's a bunch of different things. I don't think it's anxiety though. Yeah, I think that's 
I think that's accurate. Well, I mean, we would have to talk to Anthony Davis to know for sure, though, exactly what's going on with uh, with him and what's going on with this jumper. But again, I think this next scene is going to be important for him. It's going to be important for him to to prove that he's got it. The chat saying that uh, he needs some AG one. So uh, Trevor, can you maybe <laughs> ship some to him? <laughs> I will. Um, I will have to see if I can set him up with that. We'll see if we can get that going. Let's see what else we, we've got here. We'll do a few more, and then we will call it an evening here. Uh, thoughts on Sam Cassell as a Lakers assistant coach? I mean, if, uh, if Rich Sheed Wallace is going to be an option, sure, right? Yeah, I would love Sam Cassell. He's been in a bunch of head coaching candidacies. Uh, I don't think he primed from Philly. Uh, yeah, I think he's still in Philly with Doc. Um, but I would love Sam Cassell if somehow that could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he'd be just fine as a, as a coach. Uh, Vector Nova, for my other Super Chat, I meant any number of Lakers role players. I was surprised by Lamar Odom, but that's a good pick. Thought you would go with D. Fish. Oh, any, just any Lakers role. Who would be the best role players that you would pick? From the Lakers history, you not just one. Oh. I mean, Derek, Derek Fisher is a good pick as sort yeah. of a three and D point guard. I mean, you can say Ron Harper, Rick Fox, Nick Van Exel, Robert Ory, Nick Van Exel. Sure. I mean, Shaq, just throw Shaq on the team, right? <laughs> throw him on the team. <laughs> He's not a role player, but but yeah, you could you could make an argument for a lot of guys. Alex Caruso, right? Add, add him back onto the team. So, James yeah. Worthy, Magic. Just bring in everybody. Who cares? We'll have a roster full of 60 players. Who cares? Kiki said, did my super chat go through? Thanks, guys. Well, this one did. If there was another one, I didn't see it. So if you had another one, then submit a question and I'll, and I'll get to it. Uh, which is a better trade, considering what was given up? The AD trade? Or the POW trade? Well, I mean, we gave up Kwame Brown for POW Gasol. Javaris Crittenden was in there, too. Come on. Well, but I'm sure what he's referencing is Mark Gasol, though, was was in that trade for POW. Yeah. But I think the POW trade was the better trade because you gave up. You gave up a lot less at the time. Once Mark Gasol became Mark Gasol, it became more of an even swap. But... Both the POW trade and the AD trade led to championships. You can argue, you know, how much of a degree of success that, you know, that particular trade had, what, how much that mattered in terms of winning a championship. But both the AD trade and the POW trade ultimately led to the Lakers winning a championship. For POW, it took a couple of seasons. For AD, it happened right away. Um, but you just, you gave up a lot with the AD trade in terms of future assets, young players, stuff like that. In the POW trade, I don't feel like you gave up nearly as much stuff as you did for Anthony Davis, despite Marc Gasol being in there. Um, Marc Gasol is probably the best. Yeah, he's the best player right now that they gave up for either one of those players. But Brandon Ingram is getting there. So, I yeah, I still I prefer the, the pow trade between the two. Yeah, and you always make the point that the Lakers really don't win trades anymore. And part of it, like, yeah, technically they won the AD trade because they won a title, mm-hmm. but they still honestly probably overpaid uh, maybe just a little bit. Um, 
But I mean, I guess you want a title, so you're not really complaining. It's really nitpicking there. But yeah, I think that goes with your point. All right. Well, oh, here we go. We got one more super chat here. Spencer Evans said, Hey, Trevor, love the show. What do you think about bringing back Cousins as the stretch five and having AD play the four? Go dubs. You know, I, I don't think I would play him as a starter, but in terms of just do the Lakers need a big who can shoot the three uh, in order to fit into Darvin Ham's offense? Probably. Can Cousins do it a little bit? He's not as good of a three-point shooter as we make him out to be, but he's at least a threat out there. So I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't necessarily hate it. He wouldn't be my first option, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't hate it either. No, I wouldn't hate it either. And in my opinion, when this is another reason why I want, I would love AD as the five because I think he is a underrated passer. But in my opinion, Trevor, I don't know what you feel about this. Um, one of the best things an offensive coach can have is a big that can pass because that just opens up your offense. You can run so many. Your playbook grows like a dozen pages when you bring in a passing center. Um, obviously, you don't use those other like 15 pages when you bring in a passing center, but you get my point. Um, and Bookie could do that. He could open up the offense with some of his passing ability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Could be a weapon for the Lakers. So I would not. I think he's going to stay in Denver because Denver gave him a chance, yeah. gave him playing time. I think he winds up staying in Denver. But I wouldn't hate it if, if the Lakers got him. All right, everybody. Let's wrap things up there. I appreciate everybody coming and joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. We will do this again. Uh, we'll have a new podcast out uh, I'll record a podcast tomorrow. In fact, we're going to go to to Monday through Friday podcasts. They won't all be live. We're going to keep the same live schedule, but we're going to have some full-length podcasts out. Now that things are picking up in terms of news and all that, for now through probably mid-July, we'll go back to the five days a week schedule for the podcast. Again, the live schedule will stay the same, though. It'll be Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and then we'll do Friday afternoons. We'll do our fun Friday. Fun Friday. This one we started a little bit early because we've been doing them right after the game ends. Um, typically we'll go nine o'clock Pacific time, but that's the schedule Monday, Wednesday, Fridays live nine o'clock Pacific time, unless there's a game right before then we go right after the game. And then, uh, Fridays it's at two o'clock Pacific time. We do our fun Friday show, but there's going to be fresh podcasts out five days a week. We're really six days, I guess, if we do a Friday show, because that'll put the podcast out for that on Saturday, Saturday. but Mondays through Saturdays, I guess there will be a fresh Lakers nation podcast out there for you guys. So podcast listeners over an Apple podcast, Make sure that you do subscribe. Give us that five-star rating and review. All right, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.